0: Lord, be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people, that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. The Old Testament lesson is taken from Psalm 130, beginning at the first verse. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than washman for the morning. More than washman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is the word of our Lord. Oh, come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame.
1: Very much choir for that very, very lovely piece. Um, it's now time for all the young disciples who so are here today to come forward for the children's message. Now is a good time to bring up your offering, your mighty mites as well. Okay. good morning. Can you guys turn around and face me, please? Okay. What we're going to do this morning for just a moment is we're going to talk about something that a great Lutheran theologian, his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that he once talked about. He talked about the difference between cheap grace and costly grace. So in order to kind of try to explain that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you know how much this hymnal cost? It was not $100. Surprisingly, it was kind of, kind of close to that. Um, but it was not $100. There's no price tag on, on it, right? There's no price tag on it for us to be able to know how much that it costs. Okay, well, how, much, or how many of you know how much my Bible costs? Well, we don't know, right? Because, well, there's no price tag on it. Right? There's nothing there that that says, yeah, this Bible costs $30 or however much that it it was. How many of you have ever been um, shopping with, like, your parents or with your grandparents or with whoever it is, and you were shopping for toys, right? And you found a toy that you really liked. And how many of you have ever found a toy that you really liked and there was no price tag on it? Yeah. And so what do you do? You have to take it to the counter to somebody at the register in order for them to tell you how much that the toy that you wanted, how much that, that, that cost, right? Because if you don't know how much it costs, then you, you don't know how much to pay, okay? That's kind of what it, it means between the difference between cheap grace and costly grace, okay? Costly grace, sorry, cheap grace is when we fail to understand how much that grace costs, Okay? When we fail to understand that grace cost us Jesus' own life. Okay? Now, once we understand how much the cost is, then grace becomes costly grace. And costly grace is the kind of grace that we want because we understand what the cost is. We understand that, that the cost for our grace was, of course, the blood of our Savior, Jesus. And that's what we're going to kind of be talking about in the sermon today. We're going to be looking at a psalm, the one that was just read Psalm 130, and that psalm explains very well the difference between cheap grace and costly grace and what it means to be somebody who is humble in, in, in heart and somebody who is penitent, and I want you to be looking for the, the definition to what it means to be a penitent uh, person, Okay. All right, so will you put your hands together and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving yourself as the cost for my grace. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for coming up. You guys can go back and sit with your folks.
0: The epistle reading for this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 3, beginning at the eighth verse. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of our Lord. Please stand.
1: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. And the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants, and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. But they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies, who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. This is the gospel of our Lord.
2: The hymn of the day is To Thee, the Lord of All Number 613 in the Lutheran Service Book
1: pray with me, please. Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's meditation is the Old Testament lesson that was just read. You want to have that in front of you because we will be going through it. But the question that I have for all of you here this morning, myself included, is this Do you know what it is that you just sang? Did you understand it? When you sang it, did you just sort of sing it as just another hymn that that we sing, or did you actually understand what you sang? To Thee, Omniscient Lord of all, in grief and shame I humbly call. I see my sins against Thee, Lord, the sins of thought and deed and word. They press me sore. I cry to Thee, O God, be merciful to me. O Lord, my God, to Thee I pray. O cast me not in wrath away. Let Thy good spirit ne'er depart. Let him draw to thee my heart, that truly penitent I be. O God, be merciful to me. O Jesus, let thy precious blood be to my soul a cleansing flood. Turn not, O Lord, thy guest away, but grant that justified I may go to my house at peace with thee. O God, be merciful to me. As I mentioned to the children just a few moments ago, there is a difference, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it, there is a difference between cheap grace and costly grace. When we fail to understand the cost of our grace, that's considered making it cheap. When we fail to understand that grace costs God's own Son perfect blood we fail and we make it cheap when we walk outside of these doors here this morning and we just sort of go on sinning like nothing ever ever happened here that's called cheap grace when we sort of go about our daily lives and we make absolutely no resolution within ourselves with God's help by His Spirit to change our lives and we just sort of keep on going the way that we have been, that's called cheap. It's called cheap grace. And what we need, what we want, and what God wants for us is costly grace. Grace in which we do understand the cost. Grace in which we do recognize, and when we confess before God every Sunday morning, when we confess before Him that I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you, and just to deserve your temporal and eternal punishment, when we understand that we are indeed poor, miserable sinners who have no hope for grace or salvation or anything like that with Jesus by ourselves, then we understand the cost. And some of you might be thinking now, well, gosh, Pastor, that's kind of a rough way to start. Well, you're right, it is. But guess what? This is the truth. And I want you to understand that. I want me to understand that. It is not okay for us to go through life, go through the, the offices that we go to at work, the things that we do during every week. It is not okay to just keep going through life like it doesn't matter, like the cost for our grace doesn't matter. It, it's cheap, it's called cheap grace. And again, what we need and what we want, and what God knows that we need, is grace that is costly. That we understand what the cost was. Now, I want you to turn to your psalm with me Psalm 130. But before we get there, I want to talk to you about one of my all-time favorite movies, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. My favorite one of the four, the fourth one was terrible. My favorite one of the four, Indiana goes looking for the Holy Grail, and of course he's got to battle the Nazis again because they're trying to, to get it before he does, and of course the Nazis all want power, and the Grail has power, and so that's why the Nazis want it, and so... Indy is charged with finding it before the Nazis do. Well, as you kind of continue to watch the movie, the last scene is where they finally sort of meet up together at the point, at the entry point to going and finding where the grail resides. And if you have seen the movie before, you remember that whoever it is that wants to get to the grail has to go through three different challenges. And the Nazis try sending these poor poor guys who go and have absolutely no idea what they are doing, and they go, and every time, their heads get lopped off, okay? Because they don't know the secret to getting through the challenges. But, of course, Indiana does, because his father has this diary, and in the diary is the secrets to knowing how to get through the challenges. And the first challenge so that you don't get your head lopped off, is this. Understanding this sort of riddle. Only the penitent man shall pass, is what it says. And Indiana has to figure out what exactly that that means because he's being forced by gunpoint to to go through these challenges. And if you remember the movie, he's sort of thinking out out loud, and, and he is trying to figure out exactly what this means, and it dawns on him. He, he thinks, well, the penitent man is humble before God. And he kneels, and of course he kneels, and right at that moment the thing goes over his head and he lives. And Spoiler alert, he finds the grail, but I'm not going to tell you how the, the rest of it ends, but you'll just have to watch it. Only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent shall go through. And what do the penitent do? Well, they kneel before God. They understand the cost of their grace. And so they kneel before God. And if you look at your psalm with me, Psalm 130. As we go through this psalm, we're going to be looking at, there was a, uh, there was a sermon that Luther once wrote specifically about this psalm, and he's got some really excellent points, and so we're going to be going through this verse by verse. The first verse says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice for my pleas for mercy. Luther writes this about this psalm. These are noble, passionate, and very profound words of a truly penitent heart that is most deeply moved in its distress. In fact, it cannot be understood except by those who have felt and experienced it. Further, he writes, Crying is nothing but a strong and earnest longing for God's grace, which does not arise in a person unless he sees what depth he is lying. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever reached a breaking point? could be with anything. could be with kids. Seems like every week. could be with kids. It could be with medical concerns. It could be with family members who have medical concerns. It could be with your job. It could be with anything. But we have all reached our breaking point at, one, at some point or another, and the author of this psalm has reached his breaking point. And I love what Luther says here. Only those who, who have felt this, who have felt being at the breaking point and have, and have experienced bre- being at the breaking point, only those can understand truly what the psalmist is saying in this verse, first verse. Out of the depths, I cry to you. O Lord, hear my voice. Out of the depths... I cry to you, O Lord. Verse 2. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Luther writes that this is the expression of the soul when it feels that no creature will give heed to its distress. Yes, that even God and all creatures seem to be striving against it. Have you ever felt that it was you against the world? Have you ever felt that if the world had a roof at the top of it, that it was all coming, crashing down on top of you? Well, then you can relate to the psalmist. Well, Lord, hear my voice. Lord, hear my voice. And it's really amazing to think about. It's really quite Incredible that the God of creation, the God who has created everything, knows everything that is omnipotent and omniscient and present everywhere. That He knows you. He knows you by name. He knows your voice. He knows your heart. He knows your troubles. He knows your struggles. He knows your worries. He knows your anxieties. He knows it all. And the psalmist knows that his Lord knows it all. And so that's why he says, O Lord, hear my voice, and let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Verse 3, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? I've mentioned this in previous sermons. Luther writes, This verse gives the content of this psalm a consideration of the severe punishment of God who cannot and will not let even one sin go unpunished. Let me say that again. Of a God who cannot and will not let one single, solitary, little, itty bitty sin go unpunished. Again, cheap grace. Versus costly grace. Why? Well, you've heard me say this before, but it bears repeating, especially today. If you are not perfect, you cannot go to heaven. Period. If you are not perfect, you cannot go to heaven, because heaven is perfect, and God, who is perfect, resides there, and there is nothing that is allowed to be unperfect in heaven. Why? Because God is very specific with His heaven. Not one single solitary sin, no matter how big, no matter how small. Even things like worrying, you cannot enter heaven and be a worrier. You cannot enter heaven and be one who breaks any one of the 10 commandments. You cannot do it. God will not allow it. Cheap grace versus costly grace. This this verse is where the rubber meets the road. Imagine imagine if God did remember your sins. I, I wonder if he remembered mine. My rap sheet would be a hundred miles, miles long. And so would yours. But he doesn't. And he doesn't remember sins. He will not let one sin go unpunished, though. Verse 4. I wait for the Lord. Here's the hard part for us. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word I hope. And this is what Luther says. Therefore, there is no refuge in any other person where one could stand or abide. With God alone, there is forgiveness. With God alone. Therefore, good works cannot help. If anyone wants to amount to something before God, he must insist on grace and not merit. I love that. If you want to amount to anything before God leave all of your good stuff behind and just leave it there because he doesn't need it. He only needs one thing. He only needs costly grace. He only needs the blood of his son. Verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and then in, in, and here's what Luther says as well. Now, he describes the hope, the life of the new man, and how one should walk in it. Therefore, the psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. That is, in this crying and cross-bearing, I did not retreat or despair, nor did I trust in my own merit. I trusted in God's grace alone, which I desire, and I wait for God to help me when it pleases Him. Now, there are some who want to set the goal, appoint the hour, and measure, and prescribe to God how they are to be helped. That doesn't describe us at all, does it? There are some who want to set the goal, appoint the hour, and measure, and prescribe to God, tell God how they are to be helped. And if they do not experience this, when and where they want it, and how, they despair. Or if possible, they seek help elsewhere. God is supposed to wait for them. Be ready at once and help exactly as they themselves have designed. Those who wait for the Lord, however, ask for mercy. But they leave it to God's gracious will when, how, where, and by what means he helps them. Doesn't that just describe us to a T? We want God's help. We ask him for help. If you're like me, I ask him for help daily. But how often do we want help in a certain way, at a certain time, when we want it? And if we don't get it the way that we want it, the way that we have lined it out, we do exactly what Luther says that we do. We go somewhere else to try to find help. We go somewhere else to try to ease our anxieties and our fears and our worries. Remember from his catechism, the good and gracious will of God comes even without our prayers. God's will will happen in your life whether you are asking for it or not. And what is his will? Well, again, according according to the catechism, the good and gracious will of God is done whenever he breaks and hinders every evil plan of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hollow or keep holy God's name. This is not trust when we try to set the parameters for God. It is not taking up our cross and following him. Instead, this is forgetting how much we are in need of a Savior. Instead, this is cheap grace. Instead of faithfully waiting, we just say, well, I'll take care of it myself, only to discover, as we always do, that we, nor anyone else, has the goods that Jesus does. Going on to verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. Luther says all spiritual people take the position that their whole life is one trusting and hoping in God and relying and waiting for Him. That's what it means to wait for God, to rely on Him and to believe in His promises. To know God rightly is to recognize that with Him there is nothing but kindness and mercy. And so why do we wait? Why do we wait for God when, we, when it seems to get to our breaking point? Why, do we, why are we commanded and why should we still wait? Well, because we know that the one that we are waiting on has the goods. The one that we are waiting on is full of kindness and mercy and grace and peace. Because the result of our waiting will only result in that, in those good gifts from God. Kindness and mercy and grace. And then verse 8 gives us the promise. Verse 8 says, And he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. It's really cool what the Bible does. Notice that here it says that, and he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities, not hers, his. Do you remember the name that God gave to Jacob after he wrestled with him? Israel. That was the name that God gave him. And do you know what the name Israel means? The one who wrestles with God. And this is what we do. We wrestle with him. We try to set out our own parameters for when we think that we should receive grace and how. And instead, when we don't receive it in the way that we want, we go somewhere else. This is called wrestling with God, and not in a good way. But, He will redeem Israel from all of His iniquities. Why? Because God is faithful. Because because when God makes a promise, He keeps it. When he promises to give you mercy and grace and forgiveness, he does it. When he promised a savior, he did it. <coughs> and speaking of redemption, let's remember this one very important fact that Jesus has prayed this psalm too. And so Jesus knows what it is to be in the depths and cry out to God for mercy. We see it from the scene in. The garden. And Jesus tells his disciples, those closest to him, to wait here while he goes over there, and he prays. And what is the first thing that he does? The penitent man kneels. In this case, Jesus falls on his face, and he prays. And he prays, Lord, if it be your will, take this from me. But yet not my will be done, but yours be done. No one knew the importance of being penitent and waiting on the Lord more than his own son. Talk about waiting. Talk about penitence. Talk about your will be done. Talk about relying only on his Father. And so let's talk about this. Let's wrap it up. Cheap grace versus costly grace. Costly grace happens when we understand the cost of our grace. When we, before we receive the gospel in his supper, when we as a church body confess all of our sins to him, there's a reason why confession happens before that. It's so that we can confess before God that we are in such in need of the things that He gives, of the promises that He offers, so that we can confess be, be, before God that, yeah, we are poor, miserable sinners that deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. And we say, "But I am heartily sorry for them, sincerely repent of them, and we pray that you, and we pray you of your boundless mercy. And for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. When we say that, it becomes costly grace. When we understand the cost, when we are put in our place instead of trying to put God in His place. And then what happens after that? What's the immediate thing that happens? Well, God is faithful and just and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so once we confess that, we are given the absolution. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. And so then in the and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, and this is my most important job as a pastor... I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That, folks, is costly grace. And that's what God wants for us. Because He will not allow one single sin to go unpunished. He threw it all on His Son. And then what do we get to do? We get to walk straight up here, kneel at His altar, receive His body and blood, and it's free completely free. That's costly grace. That is the grace that you and I have been redeemed by. That is the grace that you and I have been purchased with. Purchased with the price of His own Son's blood. Given for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We now confess together the words of our Christian faith. We do so using the Nicene Creed. It is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten be seated. At this time, we will now collect our tithes and offerings. In the pew that you are in is a red sign-in book. Please fill that out uh, with your name, uh, and if you are a guest, perhaps with your telephone number or an address, that we might be able to thank you for coming to worship with us. So we collect our tithes and offerings.
2: The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is the preaching, teaching baptizing, and sharing the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. These radio broadcasts are made possible by donations to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church. Please contact the church office at 235-7300 for how you can help. Easter lilies are available for purchase to beautify our service as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord on Easter Sunday. The cost is $10 each. Orders and payments must be in by April the seventh. Sunday school and Bible classes meets every Sunday at eight forty-five a.m. Men's Glee meets the second and fourth Wednesday at six thirty p.m. Men's Bible study meets every Wednesday at eight a.m. L.Y.F. teen-focused Bible study and fun activities meets Sundays at six p.m. Ladies' afternoon Bible studies meets. The first and third Monday at 1.30 p.m. in the chapel. The Mount Vernon Ladies Bible Study will meet at 7 p.m. The second and fourth Monday at the home of Susan Stark. Mommy and Me Sunday School classes meet at 8.45 a.m. in the Parsonage with Courtney Sletten. For the little ones ages 0 to 2. We will now rejoin our congregation in the celebration of Holy Communion.
0: Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Father, we give you thanks for this day in leading us here so we can worship you. You are the perfecter of all grace and mercy. Only because of your great love for us do we have the hope of eternal life with you. Only because of your Son's suffering, death, and resurrection is your grace assured Keep this test in our hearts and minds as we continue our journey through this Lenten season. Lead us in ways that are pleasing in your sight. Help us find the time to reflect on our need for penitence, to be in your word, to speak the truth of your Son to all that we meet this week. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for the sick, those who struggle with emotional or spiritual issues, those who are hospitalized. Those who will be undergoing surgery. Those on the road to recovery. We lift up all those on our health list. Melba, Landreth, Janice, Carol, Oren, Ethel, Joan, Addison, Steve, Becky, Wayne, Bob, Mark, Warren, Gary, Bob, Emma, Brenda, Rosemarie, Bob, John, Mary Ann, Debbie, Mary, Fred, Lisa, Jen, Catherine, Bonnie, Deborah, Joe, and Dorothy. We lift these people up as well as all those we now name in our hearts. Heavenly Father, you are the great healer. Be with those who are currently dealing with these conditions or issues, and if it be your will, heal them completely and give them a sense of your presence during these difficult times as they reach out to you for comfort. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for our leaders who hold positions of service nationally in our state and in our local communities, as well as the leaders of our own Lutheran Synod. Father, these people have accepted the responsibility of leadership as part of their commitment to serve. Send your Holy Spirit to give them true wisdom, to govern in a way that glorifies your name. Keep them mindful of those who cannot speak for themselves, especially the unborn. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all the brave men and women who serve in the military, especially those who serve in the most dangerous places. We lift up to you in prayer Christopher Smith, who was serving in the Navy, and David Hessman, who was deployed overseas, as well as their families who pray and wait for their safe return. We think of all first responders, police, fire, and emergency personnel. Father, we pray that you will send your heavenly angel to watch over them, to protect them against all harm, strengthen and encourage them so they can remain strong and courageous. Lord, in your mercy. We give you thanks, Lord, for those celebrating birthdays this week. O Lord, for the many blessings you have given to your servant Marjorie Harris, especially for bestowing on her length of days in this present life. Grant that she may always know your loving kindness, abide in the confession of your name, and put trust each day in your gracious care and protection. May this celebration of her birth be a celebration of life both now and the life to come. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you instituted holy matrimony, blessed and honored it with the presence of your son at the marriage at Cana in Galilee, and even now continue to protect and preserve it. We thank you for the fatherly love and grace which you have bestowed upon Kim and Diana Connolly, who are celebrating the 34 years of Christian union through their marriage. Continue to be with them, Lord, until the end of their days, even as you have guided them in the past. Be their health, strength, refuge, and life as they serve as an example to all who honor your blessing of marriage. Lord, in your mercy. A prayer for our teachers. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you sent your Son Jesus to this sinful world to save us from our sinfulness. He lived a perfect life for us and gave us the perfect example of a master teacher. Thank you for the gift of faithful teachers to explain the Word to the children entrusted to their care. Leading them to knowledge of your truth. You have called them to serve in your kingdom, and you alone empower them with all the gifts they need in their blessed vocation. Continue to bless them mightily. Give them patience in dealing with the challenges of their classrooms. Lord, in your mercy. And finally, a prayer of thanksgiving for the change of seasons. Today, we praise you as the God of all creation. This past week, you blessed us with refreshing rain and abundant sunshine and warmth. Just at the right times. As we look around, we see your work of creation regenerating itself. Spring, a time of new life and new beginnings. Bless all those who work this land and raise the livestock which you have entrusted to their care. Protect them against all harm and accidents. Keep them healthy. Let us ever be mindful of the responsibility of stewardship of your creation, making this a bountiful year for all who honor your name. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
1: The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament and under the form of the bread and wine I receive His true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, we took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord be with you. Blessed with the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace.
2: It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistat, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on FreistatRadio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things.
1: Just a few announcements before we close with worship today. The first is that today is the last day to order Easter lilies, so if you would like to order those, uh, please let uh, uh, June know, and she will be able to take her order for you. Also, next Sunday is not only Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, but it is also Confirmation Sunday, where we will have two confirmands uh, who will be um, here with their families, and they get to do a very neat and awesome and wonderful thing, and that is they get to answer for themselves uh, all of the questions about their faith that were answered for them uh, when they were babies and they became baptized children. So that is next Sunday, April the 14th. Also, there is going to be a short prayer session in the chapel after service today for anyone who would like to join in. Uh, You may submit requests uh, for prayer prior to any of our services. Uh, Please contact Philip or Debbie Trokey. Next Wednesday night, uh, this, this coming Wednesday night, is our last uh, Wednesday evening worship service at 7 p.m. Please join us for that. And all items... Uh, or, um, I'm sorry. Please add items in, bo- in the boxes that are designated for our college students. And also just a reminder that our voters' assembly meeting will happen right after worship here with a potluck luncheon to follow. All are welcome to attend. Um, And so with that in mind, let's pray for our meal. We do so by using the common table prayer.